He struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is Insight. Insight with Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. Network. Ah, yes. Full-blown holiday season right here. How you doing, my friends? Happy Hanukkah. My name is Mark Farrell. The show's Insights on the Progressive Radio Network. How you doing? How you hanging in there? <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy time of the year, right? I mean, so much fun, so much buzz, so much work. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounded like I was going to croak right there, right? It's between a laugh and a cough and almost had to call 911. Anyway, I hope you're doing well. hope you're hanging in there because there's so many obligations this time of the year, right? It's fun, but there's so much damn work. Yes. Oh, yeah. You have to get your work done as well, right? Go figure. <laughs> Man, great show coming your way. You're going to meet Lakshmi Lakshman Prasad. She's an incredible person. And by the way, she's a digital marketer in the tourism industry. And she's founder of Accessible Travel NYC. It's a website, but more, more of a movement for travel accessibility. And you know I am huge on accessibility and inclusion on every level. So Lakshmi had kind of a, a life-changing experience back in 2018 when she and her family were trying to just you know, experience New York City. And they realized, wow, so many things on so many different levels are not accessible. So she's out to change it, and she is changing it, you know, because accessibility. It's not limited to New York City, to five boroughs, New Jersey, Connecticut, Florida, Colorado. It's a worldwide movement because anyone alive has the right and should experience anything in life where they want and when they want, right? So you're going to meet Lakshmi in just a few minutes. But I want to talk to you about certainly the holidays because, again, we're in the thick of it. And it is a fun time. And it's funny because a few of my colleagues are like, oh, yeah, you know, my wife got this as a boss and they got their boss another gift. And so where do you stand on the whole boss gift giving thing? I don't know. I'm not torn at all. I say, I mean, if you want to bake your boss some cookies or get something that's very you know, just very small. I say, cool. But the whole like idea of, okay, chances are your boss makes more money than you, right? And they're in a different position, different, maybe a managerial role, supervisor, executive director, whatever the case may be. And here you are getting them a present. I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of odd. I mean, I'm not in that position, so I don't have to deal with it. But if I were, I think I would be like, whoa, um, thanks so much, but no thank you. But, you know, again, declining a present also has its own set of weird circumstances, right? So it's kind of an odd situation to be in. But I think a lot of people, especially higher up as you go in whatever industry you're in, it's pretty commonplace, but I still think it's odd, right? Yeah, man. So the whole so Gary, no, no. I'm uh, if you're listening, I'm not getting you a gift. Your gift is right here, in a good show. <laughs> On behalf of all the other PRN hosts, that's our gift to you, Gary. No, <laughs> and that's our gift to you as well, the listener, PRN listener. And the biggest gift you can give us, which you've been doing for years, is just keeping it parked right here. Of course. I love hanging out with you guys on Thursday mornings for insights when you meet great guests like Lakshmi and all the other host of people from different backgrounds, expertises. I mean, just really runs the gamut. I'm so glad and so honored to be able to bring those people to you. So what about diets? Like, uh, all right, speaking of diets, I had my first sugar cookie about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. And how could you not? They're just everywhere, right? 
I mean, my wife and daughter cooked a few batches of sugar cookies and they're here. They're at both radio stations I work at. And uh, it's hard to say no. I mean, when they look so darn good, I mean, with the different colors on there, they're festive and they're just screaming, okay, Mark, time to grab me. Even without a cup of milk, I'll go for it, right? How can you not? So don't fret about, you know, I don't know, bumping up your caloric intake. Is that a nice way to put it? Instead of pigging out, (laughs) however you want to look at it during the holidays, because January will be here before you can say, Return season. Yes, you know, because of course there's going to be gifts you have to return. So when you have to return those gifts, you're going to be putting in maybe 10,000 steps unless the return's coming on your front porch because you're just returning it via mail. Anyway, there's going to be plenty of time and opportunity. So don't like get bummed out during the holidays because you're guilt ridden because you're having too many cookies, too many eggnogs. What? What? You still drink eggnog? <laughs> well, eggnog, I guess if it has enough gray goose in it, it's pretty good. But I guess if anything has enough gray goose in it, it's pretty good, says the man who likes, yes, gray goose. Anyway, don't live your life all pissed off during the holiday season. Just go for it. You know what? Twice a year, if you go for it, right? Thanksgiving, maybe Thanksgiving's not your holiday. Maybe it's maybe it's Hanukkah, maybe it's Christmas or whenever birthday. What you let loose? You gotta live, man. I mean, what's the point of being healthy most of the time if you can't just let your guard down and be like, yes, I'm gonna have those two sugar cookies. Yes, I'm gonna have that crazy coffee drink or whatever the case may be, or something from Dunkin' Donuts uh, that's gonna be heavy in calories, like 500 calories in a medium size. But you know what? Gotta live, right? What the hell? What the hell? So January be here before you know it. And you can shed that pound or two pounds or five pounds, whatever the case may be. And also when January comes, we're going to be talking about perspectives. Because January is, you know, it's so weird. January is, for many people, it's a season of starting over. And I never have, maybe when I was little or small or younger, I subscribed to it. But not in, I don't know, 30 years or so. Because I think, I know it's corny, it's cliche. Every day you have a new opportunity, every week. Why people wait till January 1st? I think certainly those are the people who really fail because they're pushing that start date off so far away and they're using that as an excuse. Well, it's got to be a new calendar year. On day one, that's when I'm going to start. You know, that's a bunch of BS. If you need to change, you want to change and you feel change is imminent, you do it. It doesn't have to be the next day. You can start right now. Okay, I'm no longer having coffee. I'm no longer putting uh, Splenda in my whatever drink, whatever the case may be. I'm no longer calling that person who makes me feel horrible when I hang up the phone. You can do it. So we'll talk about perspectives, maybe think different changes you want to implement in your life, whether it's uh, personal, professional, uh, diet, health conscious related, anything like that. And talk about travel. I mean, I'm thinking about where we're going to go this year because in January, everything is, again, so cold, living on the East Coast in January. And uh, thankfully, I have two or three things booked already for the season. And one of them is in March. And that makes me feel excited for getting through January and February because they are slow, bleak months. Yeah. But I'm really, really happy to report to you that I am walking upright. You're like, well, well, why wouldn't you be walking upright? Well, I had a little bit of an accidente, so to speak. It's a long story, but I'll just tell you quickly. I fell out of the back of a tractor. What the hell was I doing in the back of a tractor? Story for another day. 
<laughs> oh, my God. My cough will not go away. Part of the tridemic. I digress. Anyway, my son was um, in the back. We have some woods behind us, and we're trying to get rid of some debris, some branches, etc. I fell out of the back of this truck, this tractor, and I popped a disc. And I was in an excruciating pain for a solid two days. And then slowly I was able to like stand upright. And I mean, it was just bad. This happens to me like every, I don't know, eight or 10 years or so. And thankfully I know how to get the disc reset. Do you know what a press up is or more of a, Oh, what's the other yoga position called? Cause I always call it press up Cobra. That's what it's called. Cobra. If you do a Cobra, it pushes your spine back into its natural position because all day long, no matter what you do for a living, most likely we're leaning forward, right? We're at a computer, we're at a desk, we're writing, we're digging holes, whatever the case may be, we're leaning, leaning, leaning forward. So that opens the spine, gives the disc freedom to go boop, boop, boop. And so when you do those two exercises, press-ups or cobras, that pushes everything back into alignment. So thankfully, with good therapy, throughout the years and being very diligent on my part, I do uh, those exercises probably six days a week. Even, even you know, normally, no back issues, whatever. That's what I do and also keep my core strong. So it can't underscore enough how important core strength is and doing those exercises. Number one, the core strength is invaluable just to keep you healthy so you don't have a back issue or one doesn't originate or begin. And the other thing is if you do, The press-ups or Cobra, um, especially with the disc and lower disc, are vital for your health. But thankfully, being diligent and lots of a leave and maybe a glass of wine or two at night got me through that rough patch. So maybe you're having a rough patch because Lord knows, man, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas, the holidays can be tough. I know somebody who just lost a parent the other day and my wife lost her father this year. So the first of anything... That along with just the stress of the holidays for a lot of people, not having money to buy the gifts that they want or feeling guilty they can't exchange gifts with people maybe that they do want to exchange gifts with, all these things can take a toll. So just remember to slow it down, breathe, just be like, all right, what's the holiday all about? If you're not Catholic, you don't believe in God, Christ, a big heavy guy flying around the sky, With reindeer, I get it. (laughs) So just enjoy the fact that you can be with family or friends. If you can't be with family because maybe you don't have family or it's too far to get to, too costly, or or numerous other reasons, I'm sure there's a way for you to feel whole and feel good on that day. Maybe it's the same thing that gets you through every other day, right? That positive ember that's inside of you that makes you go like, oh, okay, all right, well, maybe I'm not doing exactly what I want to be doing on this day. Maybe it's Christmas Day or whatever day during Hanukkah. But I feel good about myself. I feel good about my trajectory, where I'm going, how I'm going to get there. And, man, that's all I need. Because the reality is you don't need other people in your life to feel good about yourself. If you feel good about yourself, then that's everything. Then you're going to be the spark for others that has great synergistic effects for everybody, right? Yeah, man. So let's meet Lakshmi because I'm really excited for you to uh, hear our conversation that took place the other day. She's just a phenomenal person. Again, and that trip in, um, I think it was 2018, 
it really had a positive impact after like taking two steps back and seeing, wow, what hurdles there are in New York City and obviously everywhere. And what her sister Annie lives with having cerebral palsy, which is certainly a very, very debilitating disease, which causes involuntary muscle spasms and movements. Uh, but that doesn't stop her from being an artist and so much more. So let's meet Lakshmi and you can hear about Annie as well. And most importantly, accessible travel. Welcome, Lakshmi. Hi, Mark. It's great to have you on the show, finally. A person who is part of the New York City fabric in more ways than one. But today you're not talking about travel in the historical sense that you've been in the industry for 20 plus years. It's more about making New York City accessible. And that's something that's near and dear and close to your heart because it touches home. Tell me why you wanted to make New York City much more inclusive. I really, uh, well, thank you for having me on the show today, Mark. Um, I, I really wanted to make New York City more accessible to people with disabilities because having had 20 years of marketing experience in the travel and tourism industry, I never, ever once saw a person with a visible disability in the marketing that I did, nor did we in any of the organizations I worked with ever talked about marketing to people with disabilities as a consumer segment. Your sister has cerebral palsy. So every time you must have seen one of these marketing pieces, was there a part of you that went, oh, it's not really reflective? Nope. Um, so we grew up with a lot of shame and stereotypes, uh, around visible disabilities. Um, you can imagine people would pray over Annie, Annie's my sister's name. People would pray over Annie and, you know, we would be told all sorts of things about her very visible disabilities and knowing the barriers that we faced in the physical environment. We didn't think much about having a public social life. Um, so by not seeing that representation, I also didn't know, one, that the market segment existed and that there were so much accessible things to do for people with disabilities. And it's mm. just not being talked about in the same way that People with disabilities are often out of public eye because they don't have the information, sometimes the finances. Um, so no, that didn't make me think about it. And when you think about the large number, 11% of people in New York City have a disability. That's a really big untapped number. Yep. I think it's about a million people that has a disability and They've identified as such. So yeah, large, large population right here in New York City. So tell me about your sister, Annie. First of all, I want to actually input a line here and say that her smile is pure electric. I ah. mean, when you see her <laughs> in pictures, smiling ear to ear, and it's most likely because she's with you guys. Obviously, you're doing so much for her. Your family is very, very embracing, loving. And I, I know she's an artist. And tell me about how she got involved with art and how much she actually loves her home away from home, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Ah, so let me let me tell you that we actually do equally the same for each other. You said I do so much for her, but it's all a family effort on everyone's Great. part. 
um, she absolutely that laugh is electric and if you were to hear the laughter it really does touch a part deep down in your soul um she is a disabled artist she's loved the arts ever since she was she started going to museums in high school she has developed that into some great art pieces and um one of it was actually shared on the Mets museum website Fantastic. during the celebration of ADA 30 that must have made her feel like she's part of a major milestone absolutely um which made she is her, yes yes made her feel p part of a major milestone and you know made our family so 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 proud to see her work uplifted on that platform and tell us about the pride pins she created Ah, the pride pin. So the pride pins are actually the artwork that um, the Met featured. It's the disability pride flag that um, she decided to give it a progressive spin. Because if you look at the disability pride flag, it goes from bottom um, to the other direction that we typically read in. So bottom to then top left. But she decided to switch it up. Um, bottom left to top right to show a progressive movement for the disabled community. Um, and she also had her own spin on it. She put one of the empowered wheelchair user um, icons on the disability pride flag. And she put this huge smile on there, um, which, which is just so representative of her personality and that bright electrifying smile that you just talked about. <laughs> well, I would imagine that you could be empathetic to my next statement that the world during COVID got a taste, just a small taste of what it's like to be a person with a disability in terms of limited inclusion, accessibility, restaurants, entertainment, all of the above. And people obviously were very, very uncomfortable with it. So it's interesting because when I uh, speak to audiences, uh, mainstream, able-bodied audiences and persons with disabilities, uh, it's a great parallel because, you know, they get a small snapshot. So was COVID one of the main reasons or the impetus that you founded Accessible Travel NYC, an incredible uh, site, which is uh, way more than a website. It's a movement for travel accessibility for persons in New York City and obviously for the world to come to New York City and to find out what is accessible? So the the site was actually launched uh, the year before the pandemic. And then, of course, the pandemic came and mm. our lives stopped equally as well as everyone else's lives. Um, but the site existed before because it was the year prior to um, COVID. 2019. Yeah, yeah, where, you know, we were dealing with a real tough uh, family situation and knew we couldn't stay in isolation and wanted to be out in community. And, you know, coming from the travel and tourism industry, typically when somebody's going through a tough time, they'd be like, okay, let's go on a vacation. You know, in our case, we just couldn't say, hey, let's go on a vacation because, you know, Annie needs her wheelchair at all times. And, 
it's financially, you know, a lot of money to be mm -hmm. able to rent an accessible vehicle that's not easily findable where we lived. And so I thought, well, what can we do here locally in New York City to, you know, experience some joys outside of our homes? And it was at that moment where I started looking around. Well, we're one of the top destinations in the world. What do people with disabilities do when they come here? Only to find out there's a billion people in the world with disabilities that we don't talk about, 65 million people in the U.S. populations disabled that we don't talk about and think about in travel marketing. And when I couldn't get some of the large organizations here in New York to understand what I was saying when I said you need to market to people with disabilities, you need to put forth accessible information, then it was when I pulled together all of my marketing skills to build out you. accessible travel NYC. And I always tell everybody I sat at my kitchen counter for weeks at a time and poured a lot of love into it. But you know what, what makes us most proud about the site is that if you go take a look at it, it's, you would see we actually used ourselves as the model, multi-generational travel People with visible and non-apparent disabilities are reflected in our family photos. And we visited a lot of places here in New York that we've then documented our site. So we became the marketing representation that we didn't see. And you didn't have to sign waivers for yourselves. <laughs> I didn't have to find waivers. We didn't have to find models. <laughs> there you go. Makes, keeping it in-house makes it easier, right? Yeah. So by Action. helping our, I was going to say by helping ourselves through, you know, those dark days and to see how much light it brings to other people with disabilities mm. with all of the lovely messages we receive. It's really, really, really rewarding. Oh, absolutely. Obviously this template that you've created is serving the world. So tell me, Lakshmi, when you started thinking about and assembled all that massive information and presented to uh, your tourism world, how was it received? It was very well received, Mark. I I, I am still um, shocked and we all feel incredibly blessed with the amount of support we've gotten. But let me not, you know, talk about all of the glories because there's been a lot of sweat mm -hmm. and sometimes tears that also goes into putting it together. Um, but I am, I'm so grateful for the way New York City's travel and tourism and government have embraced our work. Well, the government, I'm happy to see the New York City Mayor's Office uh, for Persons with Disabilities uh, was led by an incredible man years ago named Matt Saplin. And recently, uh, you won the Saplin Public Accommodation Award from the new mayor of New York City, Mayor Eric Adams. Good for yes. you. Thank you. Did that kind of solidify in a macro sense? Wow. Okay. Yes, I have a great, shiny, polished, informative website in existence for the world to see. But now in the city of all cities, because, okay, all right, I'm biased. You're probably biased as well. But New York City is the world's city of cities. Now it the is. mayor of New York City has recognized our work. Um, absolutely. So my dream was when I when I started this site, my mm -hmm. dream was to have it be, you know, the shining showcase 
of what other destinations can do to welcome people with disabilities and to also think about their local community because travel doesn't only belong to the tourists that can come into our cities. Local people, people with disabilities and people without disabilities also experience and contribute to the tourism industry everywhere. Absolutely. And and it's a good point, Lakshmi, that people in the surrounding boroughs with disabilities, various disabilities, sometimes and often cannot experience the things that we take for granted every day from museums and entertainment in New York City because of lack of accessibility. So all the work that you're doing is shining a light on things that exist that are accessible and things that need to be changed. And I imagine that's one more reason why you just won the 2022 ADAPT Award. Ah, thank you. Thank you (laughs) (laughs) for bringing that up. Yes. Um, So my peers from an organization, which is the New York chapter for PCMA, it's uh, for professional event planners, where I sit on their board um, doing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility work. voted for me to receive that award this year and I'm very grateful for it because I was going to say in that field I get to work with event professionals um, in including different marginalized communities in spaces in ways that you know they haven't talked about and you know that's also another model that you know we hope to get out to the rest of the chapters. It makes complete sense because, number one, it's the right thing for a tourism community to embrace that everyone can experience uh, of their choosing, uh, whatever it is, whether it's the arts, sports, entertainment, to partake. And the other no-brainer is, wow, if we create something that allows more people to experience it, it's a win-win for everyone. Oh my gosh, you just hit the nail on the head. Is that the saying that I say it right? Because sometimes I mix things up. You nailed yes. it. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> That's right. If you put out, you know, a wide amount of information, you have a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And that is good for business. <laughs> of course, it. you know, everybody comes in, they spend their money. Um, one of the things that I really love here about our arts and culture, it's that some of them are free or pay as you wish for New Yorkers. And then even if we take advantage of free or pay as you wish, what we end up doing is we end up spending money in the dining area. We end up spending money in the gift shop. So it's still generating revenues for these places. Talk about uh, valuable portions of your website. Uh, you give a lot of feedback on restaurants, transportation, accessoride, New York experiences, accommodations. So pick one or two and tell me how you chose those uh, destinations and obviously how beneficial it is to have that reflected on your site. Ah, so uh, so we call them our daycations, right? They're not our vacations. <laughs> <it>. Sure. <laughs> there are daycations and we have a wide range of ages in our group between my children to my mom we also have a wide range of taste buds um and we have a wide range of uh different experiences we all want to explore and so what we decided when we started the site was to pick the top 20 and ensure that we visited them and so it would all depend on seasons 
what exhibits were going on, what was happening around the city. And then, you know, everybody would have to vote because, you know, it has to be a good experience for all six mm. of us. It doesn't always end up that way, but, you know, for the well, most family, part, you know, even though it's a democratic family, it's still family <laughs> after all. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so some of our challenges are definitely transportation and finding accessible restaurants. So, for example, let's pick uh, the New York Botanical Garden, which is closest to us and one of the places that we absolutely love. We do not we're not dependent on access or ride, but we use public transportation and the buses run frequently. And that one we explore in all seasons. We know the restaurant is accessible. We know we can find accessible restrooms. And so that one, it's sort of like our near and dear and close to our heart. Whenever we want some time out, we go there. But let's pick something that's further away. Um, pick pick a top spot in New York. Mark, and then... Top of the Rock. Oh, I love Top of the Rock. We we actually all love Top of the Rock. How could you not? Um, yeah. So Top of the Rock, it's in an area that's very, very busy. Mm. So... So we Obvious. should tell everyone for our international audience, it's in Midtown Rockefeller Center. That's true. It's in Midtown Rockefeller Center, and it's the holiday season right about now. Sure everything is. is buzzing with life. And so the way that one works, it's that we we know we'd have to take Accessoride there. And we it's multiple trips because six people cannot go in Accessoride. So my husband and my children may take the train or the car and my mom, my sister and I will take Accessoride in. And, you know, it, it's really hard sometimes to coordinate the times if you have time tickets, but this is the way we live. And I'd go to the site, I'd look for their accessibility, I'd gauge if we can get in, out. Um, I look at the photography on their site to understand how wide aisles are. If they do have food and beverage in-house, our choice would be to dine in-house. I'd go look at their photo gallery and understand if they have seating that's appropriate for wheelchair users. Um, because sometimes you go to these spots and they just have high tops because they want you in and out of these places. So the comfort isn't there with seating. And... Uh, yeah, that, that's basically how it works. That's the pre-planning part of it. And then the day of the travel, you pray to God that the weather holds up, that it's not 110 degrees or 10 degrees with snow on the ground, because um, that just doesn't make for a good exploration. Do you find yourself becoming slowly, uh, month by month, year by year, an expert in determining if something is maneuverable uh, for someone in a wheelchair, for someone who's uh, blind, uh, it's more than just having a ramp. Oh, absolutely. And having automated doors. It's way more than that because it's uh, spatially speaking, um, especially in New York City, that is a big variable. Yeah. Um, yes. Through time, I've sort of like gauged, well, if buildings were built, after 1990 for the ADA, chances are it's accessible. So for example, let's take um, another observatory to compare it to Top of the Rock. Um, the newest one we have here, it's the summit at one Vanderbilt. And that one, my natural expectation without even going to their website to look for accessible information would be like, yes, you've thought about people with disabilities, um, with different disabilities mm. too. Architects are on board with this. Yes. Well, they have to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and yeah, so so that that's how I've learned to build how to gauge um, access at major sightseeing, major arts and cultural institution. Lakshmi, do you find certain places new or pre-existing, uh, 50 years old, that are still going further to welcome persons with disabilities? And um, if so, which way? Well, look, I can actually, let's do a little reverse here. I can tell you that there's someplace new that didn't think about accessibility, and that shocks me that it happens. Um, think about the vessel in Hudson Yards, which was, they're now closed, Um for really sad reasons, but that was Absolutely. a sightseeing spot that you only could get up there with the stairs. And they, they they had one elevator that was just broken all of the time. We actually visited on a couple of occasions. And... Sounds like the MTA. <laughs> Please don't get me started on the MTA. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dedicate a whole conversation for that another time. Yeah, um, but I do find I do find that um, yes, older older places are interested in welcoming folks with disabilities. I mean, you chose Top of the Rock, and you know I wanted to let you know that you know they they're an older building, mm -hmm. but um, their space is certainly uh, accessible, and they do have other means for people to explore and experience. Um, what they offer, I think they have Braille, um, and I think they may have an audio narrative of certain parts of the experience, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. So yeah, um, I I think older institutions, uh, the Met's a really old um, building, but they have a fabulous side entrance that's amazing. Um, that I'm sure was an add-on after the fact. Full disclosure, right? You have a disability yourself. You have a hearing deficit in your right ear. Do you experience any issues in certain uh, landmark destinations for yourself? Um. So, yes, I do. I do have a hearing loss in my ear. And I also live with vertigo and sometimes that combination just doesn't work well. Um, so one of the places that actually triggered it off, it's um, the vessel. They wouldn't allow me to use the elevator when I went to visit. And they told me I can only use the stairs, that the elevators were just for wheelchair users or people with mobility devices and because I don't use any. I went up the stairs and of course, you know, you have to tilt your head back as you're going upstairs to see where you're going. And that was, that was just very, very triggering for me um, with my vertigo because then, then it affects my balance and because of my hearing loss. And so, yes, yes. Uh, built environment and the people that's there, that the service staff doesn't necessarily recognize non-apparent disabilities they think about disabilities as wheelchair users or somebody with a guide dog in their cane but not my body do you find the fact that it's an invisible disability that more people are more likely to say well we'd like to accommodate you but sorry we can't exactly yeah absolutely so i'm raising my hand because that's my story uh prn listeners to insight right here no i have a rare visual impairment 
And for me, going to museums and reading the adjoining material that explains what we're looking at, whether it's in a art facility or all the above, make me really not want to go to museums. I, I, <laughs> I believe you. I believe, um, I believe you in that experience. And one of the things that I always, I've been advocating now for with, um, with the pandemic, we've had so much that have gone virtual within arts and culture. And what I tell people that I find most useful, it's that if they were to hold virtual meetings and explain the art, explain the exhibit, um, because for us too, Annie has a learning disability. And even with her wheelchair, she really can't get close up to the art to look at those tiny, tiny, tiny prints that they Thank have <laughs> next to the artwork. <laughs> And so we're always bending over trying to read it, but I really do believe if they blend the virtual world with the physical world, it makes it more accessible for everyone, for you, for Annie, for mm -hmm. me. Um, and if you think about it, it could probably help the flow in any environment because the larger the print, whether it's actual print or virtual, people can see it from afar and don't have to get right up on the actual subject that they need to see and want to experience. They can see it from further away and it can help the whole egress. Yeah. You know, what's funny. It's that I went to the MoMA a couple of weeks ago, but I went, I went with a family friend um, who also has non-apparent disabilities. So she is losing some of her vision. So she couldn't also read it. And then we tried to get our phones out to, you know, use the audio um, guide for the museum. And I'm like, this is this is just so not user-friendly. Like mm -hmm. we're here physically in person. We can't read the text. And who, who wants to pull out their phone and be in an audio when you're together with each other? It's ideal when you're alone, but still you'd like to just kind of embrace it and not block out the environment. You want to feel, read, the light, the sounds, everything. And that's part of the whole experience. So do you think part of AccessibleTravelNYC.com, one of your visions will be to further expand all the different categories. We're just touching on a few here um, to encompass much more information so you can become the absolute hub and destination for travel. Absolutely. Um, we, we plan on engaging with different audiences for uh, more content that's relevant to different disabilities um, and, you know, understanding the intersectionality that happens between all of us and even some of our disabilities overlap. So mm -hmm. absolutely. And as soon as we can raise funding, um, we will be raising the funding to engage with other audiences. Do you think New York City as a whole does enough for its residents and also the tourism aspect to let people know that yes we are a city that is however you would want to use certain phraseology accessible to a certain degree and <laughs> wink wink um and this <laughs> is what we offer so new york city just was just uh named one of the top 10 most accessible destination in the world by the valuable 500 you agree um I have not traveled and explored other destinations from an accessibility perspective to the depths that I've done it here. I do, I've read of other destinations that's accessible, but I still can't, you know, fully mm -hmm. gauge it. So 
from that perspective, if some if the valuable 500 has, you know, done their research and list us as one of the top destination, then that that's fabulous. That's great to hear. But do I think the travel and tourism industry and local government have done enough to promote accessible um, tourism here in New York? No, absolutely not. Um, they can certainly do a whole lot more. Again, um, it would behoove everyone. Yes, and it would, and it would also be so much more beneficial to that the ecosystem, that's the travel and tourism industry, that is the restaurant, that's the hotels, transportation, arts and culture, sightseeing, sure. theater district, um, for them to actually think about people with disabilities as participants in whatever it is that they're offering and be more transparent about accessible information because accessible information is often outdated and buried on websites and mm. never pushed for it in forward facing communication. Lakshmi, what city came in as number one, most accessible? I don't remember. I don't know if they labeled it as this is the first one. Sure, this is just the top second 10. one. Just top ten. Okay. Yeah, that's a safer yeah. way to go, anyway, for them. Of course, all of <laughs> all of the press releases that that came out about it, you know, listed uh, New York City in the headlines, which was nice to see. Of course, because um, as you've said, it we are the city of mm. all cities. Lakshmi, tell me about the feeling that your sister Annie gets. You're the older sister when she experiences something for the first time that's accessible, or for the gazillion time like the Met, how it makes her feel. Joy, <laughs> joy, joy. Um, we're very, very big on finding joys. And so when when we have a day that falls together, it it's such a memorable day. It, it It's a memorable day in public that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And we're always joyful and we're very, very grateful to be able to have these experiences. And what is your next year goal for your website? Yeah, next year goal, it's absolutely to engage in different audiences and bringing their stories to life um, in the similar manner that we've done ours. Different uh, audiences, be... persons with disabilities, but various disabilities? Yes, various disabilities. And to use all of our knowledge to then work with these organizations here in New York as to how they can better improve, you know, what they offer or things that they haven't thought about that we know about. So wider audience, working with our local organization um, and fundraising mm. so that we can actually have money to be able to help our low income disabled New Yorkers have a vacation in the same way that we've managed to do it. Outstanding. I'm clapping for you, my friend. Thank you. Thank have, you. <laughs> have you found your true calling? This is it. This, this is, is it. it. Yes. You've this heard it here, it. world. <laughs> I can this... see it on your face how happy you are. Thank you. Um, I can Thank hear it you. in your voice because there is nothing like positively impacting someone's life. Yeah. Um, and there is nothing like changing the travel and tourism industry to them understanding that 
the staffs who work in the industry too do not think about marketing to people with disabilities, but they themselves were or are in my shoes that I was in years ago when we didn't know we can enjoy so much joy in a public life. And that is the mission too. It's to tell the staffs in these organizations, go forward, go enjoy. We've got plenty. Lakshmi, I have the privilege of speaking to varied audiences nationally. And one of my favorite audiences are persons with disabilities, because as a person with a visual impairment, an invisible disability, I feel like I am home when I'm with persons with disabilities, because all of us never have a day off. All of us know what it's like to be locked out of someplace, and all of us have to live with something we can't shake. So when I ask you, how does this impact your family? I want you to tell me how what you've done, what your family's done, and what you're creating has opened doors within your family. Gosh, um, that is that is such a tall order there, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> but I I agree with you. Um, we we do actually enjoy being in spaces with other folks who are disabled. Um, there is a sort of camaraderie and mm. silent understanding of you know, the systemic issues that comes with having visible and non-apparent disabilities. So I completely agree with you there. But um, the, the way we feel overall as a family who's made, you know, some strides in our contribution and being modest, some strides <laughs> in our contribution to travel and tourism here in New York, it's we're really, really proud. Um but the 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 ones the stories that are that are most impactful to us it's when someone yesterday wrote that she listened to the Met podcast and the Annie's laughter so reminded her of a very good friend of hers who died just before the pandemic and while it's bittersweet it's it's nice to know that the stories the story that's in the about us page on our website, the stories that we tell visually and in audiences about our lived experience and this isolation that we lived in prior to enjoying our vacations. They're really, really impactful to the audience. Um, it resonates. It's it's a love story between our cities, between our between our city and between our family. And it it you can tell by the responses that these people then find the encouragement to to go out and at least try to find some joy mm. in and public live. spaces too. Yes. Lakshmi, if you could magically have the attention of everyone worldwide in the tourism industry, and let's let's lop in politicians as well, what would you say to them about accessibility? Uh Travel and tourism belongs to everybody. It is a right for everyone that, and everyone includes people with disabilities, for the politicians, for those in government, for those in the industry, and for audience members that are like us in our family um, who are marginalized, low income disabilities. Um, I want you all to know that we are Every single one of us are part of an ecosystem and are in mm. interdependent 
on each other. Our success is your success. Your success is our successes. And for everyone to remember that disability is part of our natural diversity and to ensure accessibility is at the forefront instead of at the bottom of the list and ensuring that voices from various disabled um, segments are part of the conversation so that everyone can be included in the travel and tourism segments. And I imagine you would use that same sort of philosophy uh, for a sole individual. Don't stop living. Don't stop fighting for what you believe in. And don't stop knocking on doors and maybe even aligning themselves with AccessibleTravelNYC.com and what they can do to help you, to help opening doors for people locally in the five boroughs in New York City and worldwide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reach out. I'd love to hear from anyone who wants to help, who's got ideas into, you know, furthering our mission of accessible travel for everyone. Do you have a story of something that you've done with your work uh, collectively, family-wise, or with your website, or someone that you've met that you've inspired, empowered, or a facility, an organization that's done something in reaction positively to your work? So um, we've gotten, you know, quite a lot of emails uh, from people that have come across our website have seen the photo representation, have gotten the accessible information that knows that they can come visit New York or a local family reached out last year during the pandemic. Um, I think they were from Brooklyn where the mom was saying, you know, she has a son who's a wheelchair user and we're looking for winter activities and came across our post on the ice skating rink at... Um, Bryant Park that was accessible to, you know, wheelchair users. And yeah, those are the stories from the community and from people with disabilities that, you know, have utilized our site that we hear great things about. Same story um, where a friend of mine I shared the Met podcast with and his brother had just become disabled during the pandemic. And so his speech is a little bit slurred the way Annie's is. And he said it was so impactful for their family and his brother to hear someone on the Met Museum podcast that didn't have clear speech and how important it is to be able to see these different disabilities as just a normal part of our living. And then on an organization-wise, I have plenty to highlight, but... Um, one of the things that Lincoln Center, you know, helped us with is that we we sort of also have a wish list. So Annie and I never danced out in public because can you imagine what people would say? She wants to dance. What's that about? You know, she's in a wheelchair. Um, but Lincoln Center invited us to their campus and we created a beautiful video um, for Disability Pride Month, too, where, you know, Annie and I got to dance out in public. And so I'm sure that's something Lincoln Center had never done before. So there are plenty of stories like that, that we have. Um, where Those are major touched, wins. Yeah, where we've touched lives and, you know, that it it brings us tremendous, tremendous um, gratitude and joy to be able to do this work. Lakshmi, do you see and feel 
what you've done? Honestly, Mark, honestly, the hustle is for real. Um, most of the times my head is bent in my computer, mm. working on the site, um, trying to do outreach and advocacy and, you know, trying to earn an honest income um, that I rarely ever take the time to be like, oh, so this happened. But yeah, we've had a couple of celebratory moments um, for the big win and the impactful work that we do. But I hope the accolades fuel you things that the museums have done will do all those little steps are gargantuan milestones because and you and you have to use those as fuel oh yeah that's what you need that's what every one of us needs the 65 million plus in the united states with disabilities need to empower us and to uh, fuel us further to make inclusion commonplace Yes. Yes, they do. They do work Good. as a few will. Um, and sometimes I do sit and, you know, just scroll through the website or scroll through, you know, the social profile or my phone, actually, where I have a whole lot more private photos of, you know, all of our big and our small moments. And yes, that it, it absolutely is what fuels the fire. I imagine you're on social media as well. Would you welcome people to send pictures that are very positively depicting inclusivity and places that need help. Absolutely. Um, actually, yeah, they can definitely send me an email. My email, it's accessible travel gmail.com. And, you know, um, always happy to carry forth that conversation. Accessible travel NYC at gmail.com. So I'd love to hear from the artist herself, Annie, and hear how art and her big sister's work is impacting her. Annie, it is great to have you on the show. And obviously you have a terrific big sister and a family that you love tremendously. How much do you love gallivanting around New York City and exploring the museums and everything that makes you happy? And he said lots. Annie, I know you love creating art. But I imagine you love sharing your art even more. Annie says, I love to create art so other people can see my perspective. Wow. Well, that certainly clarifies 1,000% why you do what you do for Annie. I mean, your love for her, you can hear the joy in her voice. You can see through those words that she's spoken, how much she's in love with you and what you've done collectively as a family and individually. Good for you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. Lakshmi Lachman Prasad. Thank you so much. It's an honor to meet you, to connect with someone who's so devoted to expanding person's lives so we can all live freely and knocking down barriers because that's what we're doing um, for our family the disability family to live freely and widely and uh, i applaud you on every effort and every front that you're doing your tireless work on well thank you so much mark i'm i'm so glad you asked me to be on today i am also you know congratulating you on all of the work that you do for our people and you know, ensuring that there's inclusion and mm. giving people as well the courage, the hope to go out and live their full lives. 
Yes, I knew you'd like Lakshmi, Lachman Prasad. Yes, because I know you guys well enough. Yes. That's why you keep it right here on Insight Progressive Radio Network. My name is Mark Farrell. Do make sure you check out Accessible Travel NYC. Accessible Travel NYC. It's more than a travel site. It's a movement, and I um, urge you to share their information, her information. Accessible Travel NYC. Post pictures. Spread the word. There's great communities on Facebook and social platforms that really have gotten a lot done. <clears throat> There's, I'm not a huge fan of social media, but when you have positive movements like that, I'm like, whoa, I am so down for everything it represents. The power of camaraderie, the power of numbers is, uh, you know, power to the people on so many different levels. So talking about new perspectives, getting back to that. I want to urge you to come back here between Christmas and New Year's because I'll be having a guest on that talks all about that. Because, again, so many people worry about things that are out of their control, whether it's the beginning of a new year and their guilt of not starting or want to really start change, whether it's diet, whether it's job, so many different myriad of reasons for change. But we'll unearth all those, unpack those, and address those issues and make you feel like, yes, it's attainable. Because reality is, you can pretty much do anything you set out in life to do. Yeah, I know. It can be really, really daunting. But if you think about those like micro steps you can take to make that change happen, it's totally, totally doable. But what we often do is we see this huge, huge Herculean task or step or amount of energy it's going to take for you to create change. And you're like, I don't think think I can do it. Or you just falter or you don't address it. You make excuses, etc. <clears throat> well, hopefully that's all going to change. In the meantime, my friends, let's have a good old party here. Let's have a good old December rocking around a Christmas tree, lighting a menorah party on every level. Because you know why? It's life, man. What is life without celebration? Good bottle of wine, good sandwich, good meal with friends and family, thinking about people that we love it's a great time to take stock of everything that you have. Why not, right? My name is Mark Farrell. Gary Knowles next. Yeah, Gary's got a great show for you. And uh, you keep it right here, my friends. Keep living, keep laughing. Talk to you real soon. Happy Hanukkah. Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.